Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 38. I'm your host, William Galloway, and today is Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. On today's episode, we've got ESPN broadcaster Adam Amin answering um, a hodgepodge of questions because there are no sports going on right now due to coronavirus. Adam and I had a great conversation, which I know you will thoroughly enjoy, talking about the impact of coronavirus and how it's affecting athletes and how it's affecting fans and how it's affecting Adam personally as a broadcaster. And I think you're really going to enjoy that. So that's coming up here in a couple minutes. We talk about all different types of sports from the NBA to college football to the Olympics to the NFL draft and what's going to happen there. Uh, Afterwards, we'll bounce to Alabama athletics, and I'll talk about my around Alabama athletics schedule and kind of itinerary, and you will see how all the teams finished up and what is the latest news from Tuscaloosa in terms of athletes and who's staying and who's going. So we'll get to that later on the Galloway podcast. But covering our What's New segment, it'll be in the interview with Adam Amin. So let's go ahead and get that started here on the Galloway podcast. Joining the Galloway podcast now is an ESPN broadcaster, Adam Amin, who calls multiple games a week for ESPN and, and other networks as well. Um, and fortunately, had some t- Adam had some time to come on the podcast. And uh, amidst the not so busy sports season. Adam, how you doing? Trying to get by just like everybody else is, man, but uh, appreciate conversations like this. Good to talk to you. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you on. I know everyone's going to enjoy uh, hearing what you have to say because it's truly an unprecedented time right now and uh, the lack of sports going on, but the headlines um, circulating the sports world continue to uh, keep people on their toes. Uh, I want to ask you, start by you know asking you what it's what's it been like for you? Uh, you call so many games uh, in so many different sports, uh, night in and night out. What have these last two weeks been like for you personally? Yeah, very strange. Just based on what you just described, you know, I, you know, I first and foremost realized that I'm in a you know much more fortunate position than a lot of other people are. So uh, I understand it might not be. You know, the, it's, it's, it's certainly not the worst way to go about a situation like this. You know, you're at least home. I'm in the comfort of my hometown. Uh, my family's nearby. Like, I, I have all that. So, you know, thankfully that's all intact. In, in terms of the, you know, work part of it, you know, it's a very drastic and sudden shift, you know, for nine years. And really the better part of, I would say, the last seven years, I haven't really had a significant stretch where I don't have anything to think about in terms of work. And right now, while yeah, I'm keeping track of what's happening like the rest of us are, and certainly we use uh, the sports headlines that you were you were talking about, even in this in this current state of affairs, those headlines still have such domination of uh, of the news cycle and especially as a distraction right now from the actual news. Uh, I feel like you know keeping track of that's one thing, but actually not having to think about a very specific set of guidelines for how to think about the next game or the next event or whatever it may be. Uh, It's very strange because for seven straight years, year round, I've usually had something to occupy my thinking uh, when it comes to, you know, my job. And right now there just isn't really anything to think about. And that's refreshing in a way. And I think in more ways, it's a little bit, uh, a little scary and a little, uh, you know, any uncertainty is naturally going to be something that we're, we have a tendency to be afraid of. So 
kind of a combination of all those things. But again, if you're looking at it in a positive way, it's a good time to refresh mentally, physically, etc. Yeah, Adam, you mentioned being in, in one place. You travel the country uh, and in your busiest seasons, um, you know, multiple cities in, in one week. Have you found yourself uh, at home for this long of a period of time? Uh, how long has it been for you? Gosh, probably, you know, it's it's probably been uh, since July maybe of last year, uh, maybe since uh, June of last year really, because uh, right around June is when all shut down for a couple of weeks, you know, after the Women's College World Series, uh, which finishes up about the by the second week of June, in the middle of the second week of June, I would usually take some time, whether it was just a few weeks or whatever, uh, to you know shut down for a little bit and, and get things in order and, and try to relax, and then maybe you know go go into baseball mode or something like that. Right now, that obviously isn't the case, so it's been quite some time to have you know a stretch like this, and I guess you you treat it like one of those stretches. I guess that's the best you can do. You just kind of treat it. You know, as, as normally as possible, as if it is something that does occur once in a while, and maybe it's just at a different time period uh, of the calendar, you, you just try to treat it as normally as possible so that, you know, you, you have uh, a sense of how to grasp the situation when it is so foreign. Yeah, what's, what's been your, uh, your quarantine routine? Have you gotten, do you go to YouTube and look up old games or listen to things, <laughs> listen to games you've called? What have you been doing? You know, I've actually frankly avoided a lot of uh i would say a lot of like mechanical stuff so to speak you know like i i I don't think there's anything wrong with turning on a a game on youtube and practicing and i I think if you're a young broadcaster who's working their way up and trying to figure out you know what the next step's going to be it's crucial you know crucial to to stay sharp and whatever you have to do to stay sharp is a good thing you know for me right now just where my current state is physically mentally all that stuff i do feel like this is a good time for me to not have any focus whatsoever on anything mechanical when it comes to calling games i think it's good to reset refresh i'm sure i'll start watching some games at some point during you know during the coming weeks just to Maybe start thinking about what's going to happen next season and maybe have an idea uh, about, you know, what to expect. But right now, it's it's been nice to just shut all that off. But if, at some point, I'm going to go back and start to watch some games from last year, especially, you know, I would guess the next thing that will, that will pop up is football. You know, and I'm sure, you know, we're all hoping that the NBA season gets back going at some point this summer, and I'll happen to be a, a part of that if that ends up being the case. But... You know, football is going to be the next new thing that pops up. So to be prepared for next year uh, and to have at least an idea of what you want to work on and what to improve on, that's still definitely at the forefront of my uh, – will be at the forefront of my head, just not right now. Absolutely. You mentioned the NBA playoffs, and, and there are plenty of sports. Obviously, all of them took a big hit. But, Adam, I want to ask you, uh, with the Olympics being postponed and the NBA playoffs that would have been right around the corner, obviously March Madness took the headlines because it was conference tournament time and, and March Madness was around the corner as well. What sport do you think took the biggest hit uh, from coronavirus? Uh, I think the NCAA tournament. You know, I think NCAA basketball probably the most. And, and NCAA sports in the spring just kind of being knocked out as well. I think the, you know college athletics took the biggest hit. You know, the NBA still has a life cycle beyond the game. 
you know, I, I think with the NBA, it's it's such a star-driven league that any time any of those, you know, 30 to 40 players that are truly recognizable in the league do something on the internet, they're playing video games, you know, they're doing something charitable, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, you know, the news about Carl Anthony Towns, his mother dealing with a, with a coronavirus uh, situation right now as well, like, it, it draws eyeballs and it draws listeners and it draws viewers and it draws people who are curious about what's going on in this almost different world that they invest so much time in we all spend a lot of our days as you know you and i were talking off the air it's we spend a lot of our time discussing sports and it is such a cultural uh magnet for so many people to enter in uh into the conversation that you know, when all that gets taken away, any semblance of news that comes from that world, from that bubble, we want to be able to, you know, absorb and consume. Just because, like I said, it kind of takes us away from the actual, you know, real world stuff that a lot of us are being confronted with, uh, which which may not always be the case. So uh, I think to still see the NBA have a life cycle, that's not shocking. The NFL has a life cycle, that's not shocking. Uh, because of the same reasons, the personalities that drive the sport. But uh, I think college athletics took the biggest hit, and obviously with what March Madness means to American culture uh, in the sports realm uh, and what it means to people like us who, who cover the NCAA tournament, you know, men's or women's, uh, it's a big deal for us. So I think that's what took the biggest hit. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. You mentioned, like, obviously sports are your livelihood, and it's something like, – sports are – something i'm studying right now in college uh that i want to make you know my livelihood i have a class right now here's a good example where where all we do in class is sports packages and with not meeting in person you can't rent equipment from the university you can't talk to people because you're supposed to keep your keep your social distance and there's no sports going on so the three components that the class bases itself on are eliminated and so what do you do with the class we're going to write a paper and and that's really going to be it so it's just such a strange time adam i want to ask you um about the about the nfl draft so adam schefter has proposed you know seven teams or you do not seven teams seven days uh one round each day for for uh each team that way there's more communication and more time between picks plus the players aren't allowed to you know do physicals um, and meet person to person with the teams. What, what, from your perspective, how do you see the NFL draft shaping out and what's supposed to be in a couple weeks? I do love the concept of it, uh, of just kind of making it a, a round, you know, one round per night type of thing in this current climate that we're in. I think it'd be a great idea if, some, if, if it's logistically able to be pulled off, which I, I'm trying to picture this. If you're only doing, you know, 32 picks a night, uh, you know, it's certainly hard work over the course of a long week, but I do think it'd be very intriguing. I think it'd be a great event that would bring a lot of us together, you know, for a night, you know, whether it is just via social media or not, uh, which, you know, frankly, a lot of us absorb it in that, in, that, in that fashion anyway. You know, a lot of us, I don't cover the NFL draft. I call the NFL, uh, and I have for, you know, eight, nine years now. Like, I love the NFL, but I'm not going to pay that much attention to the draft because, or typically wouldn't, I, I should say, because I'd be in the middle of NBA playoff games. So I'm not really paying attention to what's going on in the NFL draft. I'll go absorb that news via Twitter. Or, you know, obviously, I'll go read about it, read any articles that were written about it. But oftentimes, I find those articles through Twitter. 
So I absorb it in that frame anyway. I think it'd be a lot of fun to have it, you know, one round a night for seven nights, kind of do a lot of this via social media. Obviously, you can televise the thing. There'll be plenty of people that would be chomping at the bit to try to make that work logistically, and I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be. Adam, there's there's been, uh, especially at the college level, you mentioned how uh, the NCAA tournament took one of the biggest hits. Do you have a message to college, especially spring sport athletes? And I think there's going to be a decision uh, made pretty soon on whether they get an extra year of eligibility. But what would your message be um, as somebody who works with professional and college athletes, but to those college athletes and those spring athletes in their senior year, what would your message be to them of encouragement um, in a time that's super discouraging because they're not being able to compete and their eligibility might be stripped from them uh, for most of the athletes once and for all? Yeah, I would, I would think back to something my, my friend has said. Uh, uh, he, he told his football team after they won the national championship in, I think it was January of 06, uh, he, he told his team after they won the title, this is a great moment for all of you. Don't let this be the best moment of your life. You know, it's great. This could be the best moment of your college career. Uh, this could be the best moment of your football career. That's great. Uh, but don't let this be the defining moment of your life. Go do greater things than what you're doing now. And that was Mac Brown. That's what he told his Texas team after they won the national championship over USC. And that always stuck with me in the, in the you know time I've known Mac and uh, I've been lucky enough to call him a friend. That's the speech that kind of defines what I think of him. Uh, and how I think of him, that's what I'll always remember. That's the type of thinker he is. He's a very large-minded thinker. You know, uh, he, he thinks uh, in a big picture. And I, I always thought that that was great advice. So that's what I would tell. You know, I told that to a class the other day. I would, I would tell any prospective college you know, student right now, not, let alone athletes. Certainly, I understand this applies to athletes, but I think it's fairly universal. Uh, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. This isn't going to be the defining moment of a, of a productive and long and happy life. So make sure that that's not the case. You know, let this be more, you know, nothing more than a footnote as to how you define your young adult and eventually adult life. Yeah, there's, it's, I'm hoping for a lot of their sakes because I have class with student athletes, I'm friends with some student athletes, and um, obviously life is much bigger than sports as we discussed a couple minutes ago uh it's it's you know i I really i really don't know what to say to them because i'm not a student athlete but (laughs) never came close to it uh if we're being honest it's you just you feel for them though because i mean it's it's more than just sports it's life and and a lot of their livelihoods you know what what they came to school for um but but that mac brown message of, of go do big things is really impactful and thank you for sharing that uh, Cecil Hurt, a columnist in Tuscaloosa, uh, widely noted in, in the region, in the area, has covered Alabama for years, and he proposed, you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, um, but if the coronavirus does impact the college football season, that there could be a shakeup, and he kind of wrote a column on how there could be potentially, if it were up to him, uh, maybe a, do a 10-game season and make a bigger playoff or whatever. But I want to ask you, Adam, what do you think about future potential changes in various sports? Let's take college football, for example. We don't know how long Corona is going to last and the impact that it will have, but say it does impact the college football season. What changes do you think could be made? Yeah, anything 
involving truncating the schedule, while certainly difficult, uh, isn't is not impossible. I would think, you know, and and I get that there's a lot of logistical issues, and we're in such a unsure and uncertain time right now that it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that would look like, what a truncated season would look like, and how it would affect. Uh, you know, a potential playoff going forward. Do you still just pick the top four teams? You still have the selection committee. Uh, do you just go conference games, which would make it very interesting? Uh, would you, you know, try to make it an eight-team playoff and have a group of five rep and a power five representative from each conference? I think that would be probably be, you know, I think that'd be great in all honesty. But I, I don't know how to navigate through that because there's all these non-conference games that. You know, our big money games or big ticket games, not only for the schools, but for TV partners. I don't know if you scrap those off the schedule for one year and push everything back a year. Uh, you know, there, there's so many logistical issues, and, and hopefully we don't have to get to that point, but there's certainly a possibility of getting to that point. And I don't, uh, I don't think it's, you know, shocking or, you know, nuts to say that. I think you have to be at least prepared for the idea that, something like that is going to happen and we are going to be affected schedule-wise. So I'm not sure what the best solution is. Uh, I, I would certainly be open to a truncated schedule if that's what it takes to have a season and you have to eliminate, you know, out-of-conference games and everybody just plays their conference games and so be it. I'm okay with that too. Uh, this is unprecedented. we got to figure something out if we're going to get to a point where we're lucky enough to have college football back. Let's make sure we, you know, maximize it for what it's worth uh, in terms of value to fans and to athletes and, and all of and all the participating parties. For sure, for sure, Adam. Kind of jumping around here uh, when we look at kind of the schedule um, of sports. Obviously, they they go around the clock and um, 365 days a year, except for times like now. But when you look at it from a collegiate perspective, there's kind of the academic uh, sports and the sports calendar year. When you look back. At some of the couple months, uh, you're a part of just so many broadcasts. What what have been some of your favorite broadcasts, um, say, of this collegiate school year? They can be professional, but going back to August, what would you kind of say has been have been some of your favorite calls, um, events, and and games in particular? Sure, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stick with the college side of things. Just uh, I, I felt. Uh, a lot of energy on Thanksgiving night. You know, we, we were in Starkville for uh, the Egg Bowl this past year, one of the craziest Egg Bowls in uh, <laughs> recent memory. Uh, so just being a part of that with uh, with a crew that I really enjoyed working with this season, that was great. Um, you know, to be at the college football ch- playoff championship game again and, uh, you know, cover that for a fourth time and, and to be on the sidelines and be a part of, a, you know, one of the broadcasters of the megacast and, and to, you know, see a perfect season you know close in the fashion that it did for LSU uh it was a lot of fun to be a part of that uh I the result was very good for Alabama this year in the Citrus Bowl I had a blast calling that um I I think you know we've had a really fun year and it's very unfortunate uh with these circumstances for a lot of reasons uh but for a selfish reason I I'm truly disappointed that we didn't get a chance to uh, see Sabrina Ionescu of uh, the Oregon women's basketball team get a shot to to win her, you know, win, her, win a national championship. You know, she was the best player in the country. I thought she was the most exciting player, men's or women's, this year. Uh, you know, first player in 
D1 history, male or female, to hit 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 1,000 assists for a career may never be done again. Uh, and, you know, she easily could have left after last year and been the number one WNBA pick and opted to come back, you know, said in the Players' Tribune that she had unfinished business, but that was the theme of their season. You know, she was very close with Kobe Bryant. Uh, and was close to him, had that great performance uh, in late February where she spoke at the memorial in Los Angeles, flew to Palo Alto, and then played in the game that got her to you know that 2K, 1K, 1K mark. Uh, that's a real disappointment, and that's probably you know covering her and covering that team, even though they didn't get, uh, get their fair shake at a, at a title run. Uh, this particular year, uh, I think that was that, that'll be one of the great memories is covering one of the great players that college basketball has seen, and and obviously it's unfortunate that it, uh, her career ended up these circumstances like it is for a lot of athletes. Absolutely, her her like you mentioned, her circumstances and her story um, were have were and have been fun to follow, uh, and those of course those sequence of days um, after. Kobe Bryant's death and speaking at the memorial, that is just uh, kind of encapsulated the sports world. Um, and that's been that's been really fun to follow. Adam, uh, kind of kind of jumping around with, with some fun questions here. Um, because you know, there's not really one specific sport to talk about. But I want to ask you for for the listeners' purposes, uh, a lot of listeners being an Alabama student, I get a lot of Alabama Crimson Tide fans that listen to the podcast. Do you have any funny uh, Nick Saban or Alabama football stories? I would say just uh, the first time I called a game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. In fact, to this day, it's the only game I've ever called at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, It was the second game of a three-game weekend I had, three football games in three days. I had a Friday night game in Mobile. We had an Oklahoma State-South Alabama game. Uh, On a Friday night, I drove with uh, some of my crew uh, and got to Tuscaloosa at about uh, 2.30 in the morning. I was up at 7 for a production meeting, and uh, I was in the booth at uh, you know at 2.30 for what ended up being a really uh, fun game. That was the debut of Tua Tagovailoa. And okay. uh, I'll always remember that. That was 2017, week two against uh, Fresno State. And I just had an absolute blast calling that game and being at Brian Denny for the first time. And obviously it was a blowout, but, you know, to, to have that atmosphere, you know, and, and to be a part of that was uh, was an absolute blast. And I'll always, I'll, I'll always remember the first time I got a chance to call a game at Brian Denny. And, of course, I've got, I got lost uh, on the way to the stadium. I got dropped off for the game. I went to go do a TV interview that was a little ways away from the stadium. And then I got lost on the walk back and almost uh, uh, missed our rehearsal because I didn't know where I was going. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think that was my – that was, I guess, fall of my freshman year. So that was my home opener as a student. That was a fun one. Oh, wow, cool. Um, he was special. I'll tell you, his his freshman year – obviously, we you know, we've seen what he's done in, in his three years at Alabama. But um, his freshman year, the, the thing that – I wouldn't say it haunts me, but – makes me curious is how high up in the draft Calvin Ridley could have gone if Tua was throwing to him to his entire freshman season. Because Calvin Ridley, he's doing well now uh, for the Falcons, but had he had a quarterback that wasn't, you know, a a run-based quarterback in Jalen Hurts, 
how many more yards could, could he have gotten? And you, we could play the what if game um, um, all day long, but that's one of the things about Tua's freshman year that really stands out to me is is what could he have done with those other players? Um, so Adam, I would, to, I would tend to agree with that just because you know Jalen was such a great runner, but you know the, the conversation around Tua was constantly, well, he's got the better arm, he's got the better arm, he can throw the deep ball better, he can throw it a little bit more accurately, and, and sure enough that. That came to fruition in the biggest game of the year, uh, you know, the national championship game where Tua came out and obviously, you know, had a great second half and had a game winner in overtime. Absolutely. I want to ask you uh, one more question here about uh, the Olympics. And, um, you know, I don't know what your past experience with the Olympics is, what your what your first Olympic memory was, um, but what, do you, what are your takeaways from it being delayed in Tokyo? What do you think – um, how will that impact the athletes and the viewership? Well, I mean, it's, first off, it's obviously the right move. Uh, I'm not you – know, I, I know it's easy to jump on the IOC, and by the way, this is not the only reason that people get upset with the, the, the IOC. That is fine. I am certainly understand, uh, under, I understand those, those reasons why – and I support those reasons why there's plenty of reason they give you to be upset about it. I'm not shocked that it took this long. Uh, I'm not shocked that it took urging from, you know, U.S. swimming and U.S. track and field and athletes in Canada and Australia and around the world to say, listen, this isn't a good idea. But I understand that it's a very hard decision to make. It's not a decision that's made in a vacuum. It's very easy to to you know, look back and be like, well, clearly you should have done this. Look what's happened since. I, I, it's a lot harder than that, I understand. It's the right move. Uh, I think it's the right move to postpone it a year. You know, keep athletes in the know, you know, to communicate it now. Uh, make it easier on athletes who are gearing up and to at least maintain a goal for what, what is to be accomplished, you know, hopefully, you know, a year from now. We're talking about the preparations for the 2021 Olympics, and, and um, I, I certainly hope that that's the case. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. That's a great goal to aspire to, uh, to be ready to go. And I'm, I'm glad it's gotten communicated at this point. That, that should have been the case, and the right decision was made, even if it took a little longer than, than some people would have liked. That's that's fine. The right decision was made eventually. Yeah, it's uh... – Unfortunate, and you know, with so many of the athletes, the timing they train for years and years. You know, they start maybe when they're 13, 14, 15, and their training timeline is to peak at you know those June, July, August months of a set year of the Olympics. And to see that, a lot of people won't get their chance with the Olympics being pushed back. But you know, you got to it's it's personal health and safety and and safety of the world. Uh, so it's it's certainly understandable. Were you going to be uh, had had SEC softball tournament uh, continued and and things would have been back to normal. Were you going to come to Tuscaloosa and call the uh, SEC softball tournament at all this spring? No, I wasn't even sure to be honest with you. I hadn't. Uh, you know, usually those conversations are had after you know basketball season, just because you know it's it's starting to get down to that time and and it's hard to try to maintain attention for multiple sports when you're in the thick of two of them already, but. Uh, I, I, I would have had that conversation for sure, and it would have been great. It's been a long time since I've been back to the Rhodes House, probably, uh, I want to say since a uh, Super Regional back in May of 2014. 
think it was the last time I was uh, at the Rhodes house, so it's been a while and I missed that place. Okay, yeah, I know Patrick Murphy was uh, fired up about having it, and uh, I mean, he even mentioned to me last spring, you know, he was he was excited it was coming in 2020, and they had had this circled on their calendars for years, but uh Commissioner Sank of the SEC said that they were planning, you know, that Tuscaloosa wouldn't have to wait 14 years to host it again. So hopefully things things will be able to work out. Well, Adam, thank you for coming on the podcast. And we don't really have a set script because there's just no certain sports going on. So jumping around, this was this was pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Great to chat with you and uh, looking forward to doing it again sometime. So once again, thanks to Adam for joining the podcast. He truly is one of the best for ESPN. He calls just a variety of games, college, professional. He does it all, and he's at all the big-time stages, and so I really appreciate him to take the time and answer uh, just a variety of questions. I really had a lot of fun asking him those questions, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Any feedback, I would really appreciate. Um, You can tweet me at WM underscore Galloway, and thanks again to Adam for creating the time to have that fun conversation. As we move on here in the Galloway podcast to our Around Alabama Athletics segment, just a reminder that all college sports in the SEC and college sports in general widespread have been uh, canceled for the remainder of the academic year until, you know, no college World Series, no women's college World Series, no no more spring sports. Obviously, all that's wiped out. But we do have updates on how teams finished and kind of what's going on. We'll start with Alabama football. If you follow the team account on Twitter, Nick Saban was putting out reminders um, on the Instagram, on the Twitter, and the Facebook to practice social distancing and to wash your hands thoroughly and frequently. Ed Orgeron posted a video uh, probably a week and a half or so ago, and that really went viral because it's Coach O, and anything he does is uh, is noteworthy, much like Coach Saban. But Coach Saban's message was really encouraging um, to those, and it's surprisingly and unfortunately a lot of people don't think COVID-19 is, is a big deal, and then when they see Nick Saban speak out about it, they will then act in response, which is crazy if you ask me, um, but – Anything he says will garner plenty of media attention um, and adding on to the seriousness of what's going on with coronavirus, Nick Saban giving some commentary there uh, just on Tuesday on Alabama football social media. We go to the hardwood around Alabama athletics and talk about Alabama men's basketball. So when the SEC tournament was canceled, it was less than 30 minutes before Alabama was set to take on Tennessee in Nashville in Bridgestone Arena. At the time, Alabama was 16-15 and 15 overall, 8-10 and 10 in conference play. They did not get that matchup with the Vols in the SEC tournament. Rumor has it that Tennessee was not even going to play uh, due to fear of coronavirus and everything that was going on. Uh, apparently, they were not going to come out of the locker room and play, but that's neither here nor there because the game did not happen so Alabama finishes their season 16 and 15 and 8 and 10 in conference play now a lot of questions around Alabama basketball Nate Oates saying that the roster could look significantly different next year we saw a big turnover from the end of the Avery Johnson era to the beginning of the Nate Oates era and the fact that there were so many new names and faces we could have something just like that going into the 2020-2021 season for Alabama basketball Kyra Lewis Jr. and John Petty Jr. will test the waters for the NBA draft they'll be evaluated and they will not sign with an agent as to keep their eligibility intact but Nate Oates spoke with the media on Tuesday 
And he said that they are recruiting and as a team preparing for next season as if Lewis and Petty will not be there. So that's very significant. They um, will, like I said, will test the waters for the NBA draft. And uh, you wish them the best of luck. John Petty, uh, three completed seasons for the Crimson Tide. Kyra Lewis, just two completed seasons. But very, very young Kyra Lewis. Two two years of college experience, only being 18 years old. You just don't see that all the time. Uh, And so we will see and uh, wait around to see what their evaluation is going to be and if they will return to Tuscaloosa. But as of right now, Alabama is preparing as if they will be gone. Canadian Josh Primo is set to make his announcement on Friday of this week. Nate Oates said that... um, in a teleconference earlier this week that they expect to have a signee for the 2020 class and Josh Primo is set to announce on Friday uh, if you can add one plus one is two so it's not a hundred percent that Josh Primo is coming to Tuscaloosa to play for the Crimson Tide and Nate Oates next year but it certainly looks that way. Alabama already a great Tuscaloosa already a great place for Canadian baseball players. Nate Oates trying to bring that same Canadian energy to Coleman Coliseum for Alabama basketball. Speaking of Alabama baseball, the Crimson Tide finished their season 16-1 and overall. They were ranked number 21 in the USA Today rankings. They had a top 25 rankings in three ranking sites. So Alabama baseball, unfortunately, season cut short on, uh, and they had one of the best starts and one of the best years were on pace to have one of the best years they were going to have in a long time. And you hate to say what if, but man, the what ifs are endless for this Alabama baseball team that was fielded for 17 games this year. On the other diamond, Alabama softball finished 14-8. and eight. They were kind of hitting their stride as they were headed into, already had one SEC weekend, uh, were headed into another, did not get to go on the road at Tennessee, and uh, obviously coronavirus ending their season. Alabama softball finishes 14-8. and eight. Gymnastics finished 5-3 and three overall. Their season ended before the Elevate the Stage meet against Auburn, and of course they did not get to the SEC championships. As mentioned, all 2019-2020 uh, SEC athletic events are canceled, and it, your heart just hurts for those student-athletes, especially if they don't get their eligibility back. You hope that these spring athletes will, and uh, just because for so many reasons. I mean, they, that's, they're student-athletes, yeah, so they come to college to get a degree, but they come to the university because they want to play for that coach and they want to play that sport at that school. And having that stripped from them, especially the seniors, it's just devastating to watch. Uh, it's it's more than just guys and girls and a ball and a bat or whatever on a playing surface. It's something these athletes have done since they were three, four, five years old. It's been their dream to play college sports. And now their senior year, a lot of them aren't even getting that opportunity to finish what they started. And you hate to see it finish that way because obviously the uh, rate of people who go professional is just not high at all and so college is the end for so many and you just hate to see it in that way for these student athletes so my heart goes out to all those affected by coronavirus and their seasons getting cut short due to COVID-19. Well, that's around Alabama athletics, and that really does it here for us on the Galloway Podcast, episode 38. Thanks again to ESPN's Adam Amin for making time to answer some fun questions and jump around the world of sports amidst amidst this uncertainty uh, and this time where we just don't know what's next and we don't know what tomorrow looks like. But 
Appreciate Adam for making the time. Appreciate you for listening. You can listen to the Galloway Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Give me a follow on Twitter and DM me if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. <laughs>